Welcome to the Albany Update with Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. Now, with this week's Albany Update, here's Jason McGuire. Hello and welcome to this week's program. I've held off on reporting too much regarding the state's redistricting process, but I think I can finally stick a fork in it. It appears that the new legislative districts for the next 10 years have been finalized. Then, if your children or grandchildren attend a private school, you'll want to pay attention to this next part. The state is once again looking at a mechanism for providing greater oversight of faith-based private education. But why does private education matter? Well, in another story, Senator Brad Hoylman has a plan to force every public school to adopt transgender-affirming policies. Families of faith need an alternative. Private education should continue to be protected for those families who choose it for their children. And then, on a more positive front, legislation that we like has passed the legislature and will be heading to the governor's desk for consideration. It's a simple bill that would promote the needed work of hospice and palliative care in our state. Let's get started. New York's train wreck of redistricting process has reached the end of the line when it comes to the creation of congressional district maps and New York State Senate district maps. As far as the New York State Assembly is concerned, stay tuned, but I think those are going to hold as well. On May 21st, Steuben County Acting Supreme Court Justice Patrick McAllister released a final court-approved set of congressional and New York State Senate maps. The court's action followed a late April decision in which the New York Court of Appeals held that the maps drawn by the New York State Legislature's Democratic majorities were unconstitutional. As a headline in the Wall Street Journal puts it, New York's redistricting has caused a train wreck of Democrats' own creation. At present, Democrats hold an 18-7 enrollment advantage in New York's congressional delegation. Two seats are currently vacant, as Democratic Representative Antonio Delgado stepped down to become Lieutenant Governor of New York and Republican Representative Tom Reed resigned to take a new job. New York lost one seat in the House following the 2020 census, leaving a total of 26 seats in New York's congressional delegation going forward. Under the Democrats' gerrymandered maps, the Democrats expected to win 22 of 26 congressional seats this fall. According to Politico, under the court-approved maps, Democrats hold enrollment advantages in 21 of the 26 congressional districts, but their advantages in each district are not as large as they would have been under the gerrymandered maps. Politico rates 16 of the new congressional districts as strong Biden, three of the new districts as strong Trump, and seven of the new districts as competitive. The release of the new maps has led to a chaotic spectacle. Some incumbent lawmakers, for example, longtime Democratic representatives Carolyn Maloney and Jerry Nadler of Manhattan, and state senators Daphne Jordan, a Republican from Half Moon, and Jim Tedisco, a Republican from Glenville, will be running against other incumbents from their own parties this fall. Others will be seeking election in November in districts in which they do not reside. For example, freshman Representative Mondaire Jones, a Democrat of White Plains, a Democrat representing District 17 in the Lower Hudson Valley, has chosen to seek election in the 10th Congressional District in Manhattan after Representative Sean Patrick Maloney opted to seek election in District 17. Also, Representative Paul Tonko, an Albany Democrat, will seek re-election in New York's 20th Congressional District, 
but his current home will be relocated in New York's 21st district. Similarly, Representative Elise Stefanik, a Republican of Schuylerville, will seek re-election in the 21st Congressional District, despite the fact that her current home has been shifted into District 20. Still others, like Democratic State Senator John Brooks, have chosen to retire to avoid having to run for re-election in November in districts that are dramatically different from their current districts. At this time, primaries in statewide races and in New York State Assembly races are scheduled for June 28th, while primaries in congressional and state senate races have been rescheduled to August 23rd. There is a chance that this schedule could change, however. A May 15th lawsuit has challenged the constitutionality of New York's new assembly maps, but I think it's a slim chance that this court case will be successful. This year's redistricting fiasco has made one thing clear. New York needs to amend the state constitution again to create a nonpartisan redistricting process that actually works. All right, now if you're involved in private education, you got a Christian school, a faith-based school, your church has a school, you're going to want to pay attention to this next one. So listen up. In September 2019, New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms submitted a public comment on a proposed rule relating to instruction in non-public schools. The proposed rule would have required school districts to evaluate the instruction provided by non-public schools, including Christian schools, to see whether that instruction complied with state law. New York law requires non-public schools to provide instruction that is substantially equivalent to the education provided in nearby public schools. The process laid out in the proposed regulations was both onerous and unfair to non-public schools. The proposed rules proved highly controversial. More than 140,000 public comments about the rules were submitted to the state, and many of those comments were unfavorable. Thankfully, the state of New York got the message, backed off, and went back to the drawing board. Earlier this year, the state of New York proposed a new set of regulations relating to non-public schools. This year's regulations are a major improvement over the regulations proposed in 2019. The main improvement is the fact that the state proposes to allow many non-public schools to avoid undergoing substantial equivalency reviews. Non-public schools that are accredited, that are registered with the Education Department, or that can demonstrate the effectiveness of their instructional program through the use of state tests, would be allowed to avoid being investigated and reviewed. Nevertheless, the regulations still need more work. Accordingly, New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms has submitted a public comment expressing the following concerns. First, the regulations would still require local school districts to evaluate the effectiveness of non-public schools. This is unacceptable. The commissioner of the New York State Education Department, not school districts, should evaluate the effectiveness of non-public schools. Second, the regulations state that non-public schools that have been accredited by the New York State Education Department approved accrediting bodies shall be deemed substantially equivalent and shall not be required to undergo substantial equivalency review. However, the language about which accrediting bodies will be recognized by the state is vague and unclear. Also, the regulations would allow anyone who believes that a non-public school is failing to provide a substantially equivalent education to complain to the commissioner of the New York State Education Department about that school. 
Upon receipt of such a complaint, the commissioner could cause an investigation to be launched. This language would allow anyone to make a complaint that could trigger a substantial equivalency investigation, regardless of whether the complainant had any connection to the non-public school in question. The language is much too loose and could result in, well, complaints being made by people with negative views about non-public schools. In other words, maybe people just have an axe to grind with non-public schools. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms will continue standing up for the interests of Christian schools across the state of New York. And in another education story, earlier this year, the state of Florida passed the Parental Rights and Education Act to protect young children from being subjected to the left-wing lunacy about gender and sexuality in public classrooms. Despite a barrage of outrage and disinformation from politicians and media across the country, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and his legislative allies did the right thing and refused to budge. In stark contrast, some New York politicians want to require public schools to embrace transgender policies in their classrooms. Our organization is closely monitoring proposed legislation from State Senator Brad Hoylman, a Manhattan Democrat, that would force New York's public schools to accommodate students' transgender identities. The bill would require every public school district in the state to adopt policies and procedures relating to transgender and gender nonconforming students. The required policies would mandate that schools and school employees treat transgender and gender nonconforming students in accordance with said students' gender preferences, regardless of biological sex. Under this bill, public schools would be required to use names and pronouns consistent with a given student's stated gender identity, to allow transgender students to use opposite-sex facilities and share overnight accommodations with members of the opposite sex, and to protect student privacy in regard to their transgender or gender non-conforming status. In other words, don't tell mom and dad. Senator Hoylman's bill memo asserts that the bill will help guide school districts towards best practices in creating a safe, healthy learning environment for all students. But in reality, this legislation would force schools to adopt transgender speech codes that would confuse and harm students. Worse yet, it would compromise the privacy and safety of young girls by requiring them to share facilities with boys who identify as transgender. The truth is this. A person's sex is a fixed and immutable characteristic, not a subjective feeling. It is not possible to change one's sex. Therefore, calling a girl a boy is dishonest, and calling a boy a girl is dishonest. The New York State Legislature should not force public school personnel to tell lies, no matter how trendy those lines may be. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms strongly urges the legislature to reject this harmful proposal. And finally today, according to Crane's New York Business, the state of New York ranks last in the nation in hospice utilization. This ranking is unfortunate. Hospice and palliative care practitioners manage the symptoms of patients experiencing serious or terminal illnesses. They help to keep those patients comfortable. A proposed bill in the New York State Legislature would attempt to promote the usage of hospice and palliative care. The bill would establish a new office of hospice and palliative care access and quality within the New York State Department of Health. 
the proposed Office of Hospice and Palliative Care Access and Quality would make recommendations to improve the care of patients with serious illnesses, promote communication between hospice and palliative care providers, and the Department of Health, eliminate barriers to hospice and palliative care access, monitor the utilization of -of end-of-life care and the quality of such care, promote advanced care planning, and offer education on hospice and palliative care, among other tasks. The bill memo asserts that New York's underutilization of hospice care results in remarkably high hospitalization readmissions, creating additional burdens on New York State's already overwhelmed hospital finances and resources. The creation of a new office devoted exclusively to hospice and palliative care would improve access to these services, helping seriously ill New Yorkers and their families. In recent days, the New York State Legislature passed the legislation. Now it will be sent to Governor Kathy Hochul's desk for consideration. And in the final less than a minute we've got in today's program, I just want to let you know that we're entering the final week of the legislative session. The legislature is expected to leave Albany on June 2nd. Well, they're expected to be, but it never really happens. They stay until the 3rd, the 4th, the 6th, who knows. There's a lot of things left on their agenda to do, and a lot of those bills are regarding issues of the Second Amendment and of the sanctity of human life, or the pro-abortion bills that will likely move in our state capitol. We'll be fighting against them, and I would just ask you to pray for us that our ministry will be successful in defending human life in our state house in the coming days. Thank you for your prayers. You have been listening to the Albany Update, hosted by the Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms exists to influence legislation and legislators for the Lord Jesus Christ. To learn more about this ministry, issues you've heard on the program, or to make a financial contribution in support of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms, visit albanyupdate.com or call 585-225-2340. Additionally, you can mail correspondence to P.O. Box 107, Spencerport, New York, 14559. You can receive the latest legislative updates at facebook.com slash albanyupdate, Follow New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms on Twitter at Albany Update or sign up to receive the weekly Albany Update email by texting the word FREEDOM to 22828.